listening to the World Watch Weekly Podcast by Open Doors Canada. The goal of this podcast is to help you pray for your persecuted family. Since 1955, when Brother Andrew went behind the Iron Curtain for the first time, Open Doors has been strengthening Christians where faith costs the most. For more information about Open Doors Canada or the World Watch List, you can visit our website at opendoorscanada.org. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome back to the World Watch Weekly Podcast with Open Doors Canada. This is the podcast where we help you pray for your persecuted family. And this week, there is much need for prayer. Yes, there is. Uh, As I'm sure many of you have heard, just last week, there were some devastating earthquakes in Syria and Turkey. Um, As of the recording of this podcast, there is around 15,000 confirmed deaths and the count uh, continues. Uh, Thousands of buildings collapsed and... The wintry weather is making relief efforts really challenging, and uh, it makes it more difficult for the survivors as well. Mm-hmm. So this week on the podcast, Andrew, our co-host who is occasionally here, <laughs> actually had the chance to hear from Leila Samar, who is an open doors worker uh, on the ground in Aleppo, Syria, um, and we'll be showing you an interview with Andrew and Leila. So this interview actually took place last week, right after the earthquakes. Um, so as of this recording, it's a few days old. Uh, but hopefully it will be a blessing. Yeah, uh, just to keep in mind, uh, the internet connection in Aleppo is not great. I'm sure you understand. So there are a few instances in the interview where the call drops just for a moment. Um, So just be aware of that, and we're sure that this will be encouraging to you, even with those technical difficulties. So So without any further ado, this is Leila Samar on the ground from Aleppo, Syria. Uh, thank you for joining us, Leila. Um, we just want to dive right in. What was it like? like? What did you see when you first arrived in Aleppo? When I first arrived to Aleppo, um, what I saw around me and everywhere was sites of destruction. It was all gray. It was all stones everywhere, rubbles and uh, stones. and Um, dust in my in my mouth and in my hair and all over my clothes it's everywhere um and i i could feel that this city has gone through a lot um the old buildings give you the impression that they would fall at any at any second really uh and obviously it was already unsafe for those for the residents of aleppo to be staying and some of these buildings that have witnessed the war, I mean, a decade long of war. Um, so um, the, the, then I started seeing people on the streets gathered all over uh, and gathered all over, you know, in open spaces. You obviously sense that they think they are safe there and not somewhere else. Up until I reached the center, uh, which we call the center of hope. And then I saw a crowd of people there gathered, some sitting, some talking, uh, children playing. Uh, and you can feel, okay, this is a nice community center. At least you can feel that people are safe there. Yeah. So you mentioned the centers of hope. Can, can you describe 
to us, the Centers of Hope. You went to visit them after you arrived. What's happening? What kind of buildings are the Centers of Hope in? Talk to us about that. Centers of Hopes that our local partners uh, support are in a sense the church or monasteries. And uh, while the physical location is one of a church, it's also a place where people come to uh, get to meet each other, gather with each other. They have, there's a hall usually next to the church where they gather. And th this is also a place where our local partners would do activities for the community. Um, and in this crisis specifically, the centers of hope or the church is um, playing a crucial role in supporting and receiving people who are affected. Um, I mean, since the very first few hours of the crisis, I mean, talking to Rita, one of the sisters that I have met, and she's an active member of the Church of Alliance. I mean, Rita, she was the one that few hours after the earthquake, she rushed into the church to open it and start receiving uh, all the people, uh, especially those who were calling her, who are also church members. So she immediately took the decision to send out the driver to fetch all these people and uh, bring them to this kind of safe place for them to stay. Safe not only away from the debris or the stones falling off the balconies, but also safe in the sense that it's a warm place because it was a cold, wintry night and it was raining cats and dogs, according to Rita and what she told me. Um, so she she wanted people to uh, come to that place and feel they are safe, they are welcomed and they are warm. And that, you know, how these centers of hope turned out to be. It's a place where people can come, uh, have a meal that we as a local organization also provide, have a meal, have a place to sit and feel warm because it's still warm. I mean, even today, I mean, yesterday and today, uh, I've been walking outside and the, and the temperature can drop uh, as low as five to six degrees. Um, for us Middle Easterns, that's quite cold. Uh, we're not used to cold weather a lot. Yeah, well, in Canada, we, we know the cold weather can, uh, can be really harsh for people. Uh, talk to us more about the Centers of Hope. How, has it helped having these centers as um, well-established in these communities? Has that, has that you know, helped in how they've been able to respond to what has just happened? Frankly speaking, Andrew, walking around the city for two days, I haven't seen any other agency doing any help. I mean, I've seen a banner for the UN uh, and maybe a sign for Caritas. But other than that, I haven't seen anything else. So I just kind of, um, that, I just realized the importance of what we're doing through our partners, the church. They are, they have a leading role in this. I mean, you can see pastors like a beehive going in and out, answering calls, receiving people in their offices. Where I'm sleeping currently in the center of hope. Last night I slept on the floor, uh, and I I can show you the photo of the priest who was sleeping in the room next to me, sleeping on a chair. Uh, these people are leading a crisis. They are managing a crisis, and they're 
despite everything, smiling, uh, you know, I wake up in this morning and they are off, I saw Pastor Abdullah offering people to eat and checking on everyone. Uh, who is the church? This church is the people that are in it. So people like Pastor Abdullah or Rita are the people who are making the difference nowadays. A absolutely. The, the church is the people. And so let's talk a bit about, uh, about the staff. Uh, uh, at the churches of the local partners, they're, they're local residents, so they must be tired. Are they getting rest? Who's supporting them? They must be absolutely exhausted. They are mainly exhausted since the beginning because they lost sleep the first two nights. Uh, lost sleep because, they, I mean, up till now, people are so scared to go back home. Um, so our staff slept in their cars the first night, like many other Syrians in Aleppo. Last night, I actually walked, uh, I went for a walk next to the Center of Hope. Uh, and then I saw the cars parked on the side. Obviously, that's the normal thing. Only then to discover that it was packed with people inside them. Um, I took a photo, but it's too dark and it doesn't show anything, honestly. But it tells you that people are still feeling unsafe uh, to go back to their buildings. And why would they feel safe? These buildings, not only they are old, but they have suffered uh, years of war. They are already shaken and probably already not safe for them to be living in. Um, and to talk about the Syria crisis in general, these years of crisis of uh, war and then economic crisis and maybe even COVID. And now this, um, Syrians keep saying, you know, what is enough, you know? And some of them, I've, I mean, there's one or two people I've talked to, they said, okay, why God? And maybe some people look at this crisis and try to get the joy and the hope out of it. Others are not as deeply rooted in their faith. And these are the people we need to pray for. Uh, so that they don't feel despair, that they stay rooted in their faith and that they regain this peace in their spirits. Absolutely. We, we definitely need to pray for them. And, and part of this podcast will be calling people to pray. And, and so uh, as our listeners are listening, I hope that, that they will pray for those who are facing so much despair, so much destruction. And so... Uh, Listeners, hey, make sure you are praying. Uh, now, it's been three or four days since uh, the first earthquake struck, Leila. Uh, what does it look like when you walk onto the streets? Uh, what's happening? What do you see? I see people, um, civilians, trying to clear the outside of, <laughs> of the building, the roads. Um, I see people gathered just now a few minutes ago as i entered the the center i saw like a gathering a gathering of people um i took a few seconds of video of that and i asked them why are they gathered because i noticed that they have luggage and suitcase and they said they want to leave aleppo for a couple of days it's too much for them uh today i talked to um two syrians and they told me that uh, and they still don't feel safe going back to their place. Um, some are hosting others if they feel that their place is safer than uh, 
the the other people who don't feel safe going back at home. Um, others are sleeping at shelters like the Centers of Hope. Others are trying to defy the danger and still sleep anyway in their place. Some are sleeping in their cars. Um, but one thing for sure, uh, people need the basics still. They need food, they need heat, uh, heaters, they need blankets. And most importantly, they also need somebody to come and assess their places, which is still unclear who is mm. doing it. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine uh, what my brothers and sisters in Syria are facing. Uh, it's, it's really heartbreaking. And, and I'm sure this isn't going to be a, a short-term thing, right? You're, it's the middle of winter there. Uh, do you have a feeling for long term what the people are thinking they're going to do to recover from this? Like their homes have been destroyed, infrastructure is is well under strain. Uh, how are people going to cope with this uh, in the long term? That's a very interesting question, and it's hard for me to get to, to get really to the bottom of that question because you talk to people and somehow. Um, they don't think about this. Even these these repetitive earthquake uh, that are still happening. I mean, during the night, uh, I was awake already waiting for the media interview, and I felt an earthquake, and it turned out to be uh, three or four degrees, I think, maximum. And I was so scared, you know. But they don't. There were people still awake in the center. Oh, it's normal. Don't worry. We got used to it by now. I mean, when did you get used to this already? I mean, it's been only three days, but it tells you a little bit about the resilience of the Syrian people. And for them, um, I only ask one person this question. They said, we always do get back on our foot. But what that really means, I don't know. It it sounds like they're they're really trying to find hope in this situation. Sounds hopeful, but I think I think you know this the way I see it. This is at least a year long of work, so this is not really a sprint. This is going to be a marathon for us. You know, now we're still in looking at how we can get out of how how can we clear the roads and still rescue if there are people uh, under the rubble. <laughs> But in a few days time, you know, how can I fix my house? How can I make sure to gain back, uh, to gain back my income that I've lost? Uh, and it, it needs careful planning, of course. Mm, yeah, there's a, a long road ahead for our brothers and sisters in Syria. Uh, you know, in Canada, around the world, we're watching the news. We can see what's happening from a distance. Uh, and I know there's opportunities to... Uh, to to give to aid and, and to help but we also are people of prayer and so how can we be praying uh, for the people there in Syria well for the time being the church leaders still, still needs our prayers as they manage this crisis pastor Abdullah asked me to pray for wisdom and strength um, let's not forget that these people the church leaders are also affected by the crisis. I mean, they've been in this like any other Syrians. Uh, let's also pray for the people have, who have been having doubts uh, about all of this and are almost on the edge of despair 
because yes, this is yet another crisis for Syria. Until when, we don't know. Um, we need to pray for all the uh, field workers. You know, like you said, it's day number four here and uh, people are not having the proper sleep that they need. I mean, one la lack of sleep for myself and I already feel I'm not functioning properly, let alone people who have been sleep deprived for three nights or four nights already. Um, for people to accept also their loss, their physical loss and move on with their life, but with a renewed hope. Well, we serve a God of hope and, and we certainly pray that, uh, that the people of Syria will have hope even amidst such devastation and destruction. Leila, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Uh, you are in our prayers. The people of Syria are in our prayers. Uh, may God bless you. We are so grateful to have heard from Layla this week. We hope it was a blessing and an encouragement to you. And we hope that you'll continue to pray for the church in Syria and in Turkey and for all of those who are involved in the relief efforts. So I'm going to take a moment now and offer them up in prayer. Lord Jesus, we look forward so much to the day when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes, when there will be a new world with no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, for all of these things have passed away. Until then, Lord, uh, we are broken and grieved to hear about all of the deaths in Syria and Turkey from this past week. And for all of those who continue to uh, struggle with the loss of livelihood, loss of income, uh, loss of loved ones, uh, not to mention injuries, and all of the devastation that is left over from the earthquakes and aftershocks. So Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you would be in this moment, Lord, that our brothers and sisters in Syria and Turkey would feel the presence of your Spirit, that peace would overwhelm them, Lord, that death would be replaced by life, that destruction would be replaced by restoration. So Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you would be there in this moment. May our brothers and sisters in Turkey and Syria feel the presence of your Spirit. Lord, would you comfort them? Lord, would you give your church opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the midst of so much devastation and destruction and death? We pray for all of those who are working to distribute food and medical aid and uh, provide emergency shelter. Lord, give them strength and energy uh, as well as opportunities and uh, your eyes to see the people who are most in need. Pray for uh, emergency responders and frontline workers who are clearing rubble and treating the wounded. Uh, be with them, God. Give them as well peace and strength to deal with uh, such devastation. Be with all of those who are mourning. Lord, I just pray that your spirit would move in a mighty way in the wake of the earthquakes. We give it to you, O oh God, and we pray your blessing on all who are there. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for praying with us. Um, we hope you will continue to do so. And just know that your prayers really do make a difference for our brothers and sisters around the world. And uh, if you would like to donate to relief efforts through Open Doors, we will leave a link to a donation page in the description.
Um, and also, we just want to remind you to invite your MP to our upcoming event for parliamentarians in March. Um, you can do that at opendoorscanada.org forward slash invite your MP. So thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll see you next week. God bless. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And for more information and more prayer points for persecuted Christians around the world, you can follow us on social media at Open Doors Canada or visit our website, opendoorscanada.org forward slash pray. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.